0: Welcome to episode 13 of The Process, Make Do.
1: Time to get my blessings. Time to get my blessings. I had to live my life. I had to learn my lessons. I had to keep that smile, but deep inside, I'm stressing. I was trying to keep my spirits from that deep depression. It's time to tighten up. I put my pride down
0: and pick that Bible
1: up. Welcome to episode 13 of The Process. I am Quavon Taylor.
0: I am Womante Martin. Uh, today we have Dr. Brandon Allen on the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Not yet, not yet, not yet. We getting there. We getting there. We getting
2: there. We making progress. Uh, Tell the people <laughs> where you from, man. How y'all doing? Uh, so, as he said, my name is Brandon Allen. I'm from Portsmouth, Virginia. Um, the 7-5 to be exact, you know. We encompass all of that. The Norfolk, Virginia Beach, Southwark Chesapeake, Newport News, Hampton. That whole area. When we say the 7-5 is what we mean. Um, I'm a doctoral candidate here at uh, Purdue University, and working. I'm uh, finishing my doctorate degree uh, next spring. So this upcoming spring, when I'm in, uh house in the Department of Agriculture, Sciences, Education, and Communication. That's joint I mean. changed as you left now, Monty. It didn't change the name. I
0: see it ain't a change at all.
2: So uh, how was it growing up in the '75 in the portion? Man, you know, uh, it was. It was. It was difficult i say that much If i had to describe where it, it was difficult i mean you have so many different things that you have to be cognizant of and you know from my own childhood you know i'm i'm, I'm very open about like what my childhood was so i'm a, i'm gonna speak openly and candidly about it you know my mom she was a drug addict she she struggled with drugs and drug addiction uh and it's, it's, you know some sometimes we, we hear the stories about what, what it was like when she was pregnant with us um, and so it, it wasn't pleasant, you know, from, from childhood it wasn't pleasant. And it's funny cause I just had this conversation with my girlfriend the other day, you know, I actually like kind of broke down to my girl about like what it was like for me to grow up. And so I was t- I was as describing her, I mean, when we first, when we lived with my mother and she, we I went to Maryland and we, we know as, as little kids, you know, we, me and my brother was we like three years old, I have a twin brother, uh, we were like three years old, and we going to Maryland to go and go visit my grandma and i remember like we were sitting at the night before we were sitting at the table you know they had a birthday cake for us and all this stuff i think it was around my time for my birthday or what have you and the next morning we are getting like we're getting up my mother's getting up and she's like she's ready to go and so we're thinking we're about to go with her she didn't tell us anything Went the whole driveway up there we don't I don't remember her ever explaining to us That we was going to be staying And so she literally just walked out Her and her boyfriend that she was dating at the time Literally just walked uh, My grandma was getting in the car My brother went chasing after her And um, She just left me And you know At, at that time I was like I, I walked my brother back in the house And I'm trying to be mature about the situation At three years old trying to like Comprehend that our mother just left us Right, we wouldn't go and who who knows the next time we're gonna see her. And so just like so being in, in that space and that environment at a young age and having to deal with at a young age. And then at this time we didn't know who our father was. And we didn't know who our father was until we were like seven years old. And so the period between three and seven years old, the only people that we know only family that we knew about, other than our brothers and sisters that we that my mother had was my aunt and my my grandmother and they took good care of us you know my aunt she was like the authoritarian she made sure that we knew what we needed to know like when we got up here she was sick i remember we had this conversation me and my brother had to come say over spring break actually she told us she was like man when y'all came to Maryland, y'all didn't know how to spell y'all first name they were like they tried to put us in school in a preschool and they wouldn't accept us because they said we didn't know our, we didn't know how to spell our name we didn't know nothing Like, we we had no type of skills whatsoever to be in school. And so she had to, like, I remember she said, man, she made us sit. I I remember this. She made us sit in front of a uh, a radio. She bought the hooked-on phonics set. And she made us sit in front of that radio for hours, learning how to learn our ABCs, learning how to spell, all this stuff. Like, she really put in work to make sure that we was ready to be able to go to start school the next year. They, they they really was not going to let us go, go to school, and so, you know, we're dealing with all of this. At, like, and no doubt that I'm quite sure that my mother probably used drugs while she was pregnant with us, um, and that probably slowed our development down some. But when I when I I think about it, though was just like, I went from that to where I'm at now. Like I, that's, and I always I always gotta remind myself that it's like you I came a wrong way, but you know. She really put a lot of value, uh, still a lot of values into us. She was like, well, you need to uh, always treat, remember she, I mean, she always had to say, treat other people the way you want to be treated. And that sparked a little, a little bit of interest in me. She was, she's always made sure that we was of good character, that her main her main focus was make sure that we were smart and that we had good character. She made sure. And so I always appreciate her for that. And like she, I look at her as my, as my mother, really, because uh, of what she did for us. My grandmother, she was always there for us as well. Um, and she made sure that we was good like and then I remember even when we was living with my aunt like a couple of years later we went down down back down to Virginia to go pick up my little brother you know and we actually went to pick them up from like uh like a drug house and then we and we had to leave my other sister down there because my sister didn't want to come she didn't want to separate from our, from my mother so and then, then like a couple of years later we went down there to get my sister and she was standing with some, uh some friends of, of my mother's or whatever uh that was taking care of her and so stuff like that so we went out and get her so it, it was a lot of of that dealing with that understanding that your mother's on drugs she's not fit to, to do much and we have to go basically rescue all of our siblings from around her and then i mean, when we got back to me and my brother once me and my most of my brothers and sisters got to Maryland, it was five of us like one of my sisters was already there before me and my brother got there and then you add in my little brother, and my little sister, so it was five of us, and that's a lot for people to have to take care of that ain't their children. And so I remember my aunt did this search looking for our father. She knew the name of our father. She knew she he was in the navy. Uh, I don't remember I think she sent like some letters around trying to figure out who, uh, where he was at and stuff like that. And eventually she got a hold of him, and she went and uh, uh, contacted him. They he came. We met him for the first time. I remember our first time like, we met our father, we, we went to one of his his buddy's houses who lived in Merlin. He took us out to uh, Shoney's, I think. And I don't even think they got Shoney's around here anymore, but he took us to uh, Shoney's and we sat there. That was the first time meeting him. He was, I mean, we didn't know much about him. The only thing we knew it was his name was Terry Island. I remember, what's funny is, it was a football player that paid for the Washington Redskins at the time named Terry Allen. And I, and I and down that that was the Terry Island that they told us was our father (laughs) like and down that I was there but it it wasn't they got the same name so I mean we went back to live with our our father it was drastically different you know because my grandmother I ain't gonna say she was like wealthy but she like she, she took care of money her and her husband took care of money and my and my grandfather like they literally like they they had a nice house you know what i'm saying they had this guy that this housekeeper that they used to pay to come like take care of the house my grandma was like she had so much she she was constantly renovating the house and stuff like that so it was different and then my dad going live with my dad he didn't have none of that he didn't have half of what they had so it was like a big adjustment now i mean you trying to make that transition at seven years old Going from a place where things was was provided for you, you you had enough, you had more than like, and then going to a place where oh you have to make a way, and you have to like hold on to what you have because you will never know if you're gonna see another one. And so, Dick, so going back to Virginia at seven years old and and, and living with my father, it was difficult. You know, I uh, me and my father constantly were butt heads, uh, especially when, especially when I got older. Um, and and I and I it, it didn't make much sense to me at that time, but when like I got into college and I talked to talking to other people, I started recognizing uh, so, some of the reasons why we used to butt heads and stuff like that. I mean, uh, my mentor at Virginia State, he made the comment. He was like, "Man, he said two kings can't uh, run the same house, man." He said, "So you're gonna have to listen to your father, or you're gonna have to get your own stuff." And i was like, "You know, that's right." Like, but I couldn't see. You know, my, my dad he's stubborn. I ain't gonna lie, he's kind of stubborn and so and and i'm not one to let things slide so i'm gonna i'm gonna argue my position and he's gonna give me some pushback and we're gonna butt heads and so that that was his natural thing but you know growing up i saw a lot too so it was like a lot of stuff shaped me to to being like a lot of stuff what i saw living in virginia like what happened to me in my childhood a lot of stuff shaped what how how, how i would be as i was older because i'm i i'm pretty much an introvert like i don't like to go out and stuff like that i was talking to my girl about this i told her, i said man i said i can't trust i like over time i realized i cannot could i couldn't trust the world like I, i'm i'd much rather be in the confines of my own house like i have no problem with sitting in my back room my little man cave and just watching tv all that i have no problem with that it's because i said man if my, if my mother if my own mother could abandon me and abuse our trust like that, that's like what do you think the rest of the world would be able to do? And I was like, mm. for me, I rather just not. I rather avoid that and stay within somewhere I know that I'm that I'm safe, that I'm around somebody that I trust within myself, and that I can just uh, like I can really focus on on, on what I want to focus on. Like, if I go out here and I try to open up to the world, like, who, how do I know these people, people aren't going to abuse that information that I give them, or abuse my trust, or anything like that? Because I'm a very trusting person, and so I, I started limiting who i hung around like who i trusted uh who who i let come into my safe spaces you know who, who i put in time for and, and 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 that's just basically what happened as a, as a childhood like, i haven't seen people get killed over things i've not seen uh people rat you out for certain things it's like it, it becomes it becomes something that that changes you and mold you into the person that you are today now a lot of my words still run true to me and so I still try to hold on to some of those values. So I try to make sure that that's in my everyday work. But when I don't have to deal with things, or I don't have to deal with people and stuff like that, I'd much rather be in my confines of my own home. And so that, I mean, that's what it's like growing up for me. It's like, it's, it's a constant everyday. It was a constant everyday battle. once such women's living with your father, like you really gotta, we really had this scoundrel us us. I remember one time uh my dad, he had left because he he he, he went he, uh, was the coach of the track program, man. They had went to, uh, like, South Carolina for a meet or something like that. So I was at home with myself, but I didn't have no money. There was no food in the house. I went around the house, man, and I went and tried to scramble up so many different loose coins. And I went took it to the coin machine, and I cashed them all in. And I remember for that weekend, I bought me some vitamin king cereal and some milk. That's all I could afford. And I ate that the whole week Until my dad got back Now those are some of the things That we had to do And if you ever had Body King cereal That's some That's some cheap cereal It's like It's like Captain Crunch Times 10 Like you You really cut in the roof Of your mouth Every time you take a bite But you gonna make do And so that's cool That's what I had have. Those are type of the things That we We really had to do And I not to mention Like you know How people Rap about certain things I would be like I really live these these lives that people rapped about, and I don't even think these people that rapped about them live these lives. And it's like, and but people, I don't I don't carry that image. I don't try to do any of that stuff. And so people would never know. People would never know like how hard some people really have it. Like how people really are affected by drug addiction and stuff like this. Like it's like I mean, J Cole was rapping about it one time, he was like how people don't really really recognize like what drug addiction means. Like, he could tell you because he seen it from his own mother. I, I, I got it, and like, and and, but most people would think that, oh, you, 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 you probably live with a spoon fed in your mouth or something like that. No, no, I had a man, I had it. Me and my brother, me and my twin brother, I can say we had it rough. We had it rough, and we made do. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm grateful for the struggle, but dang, I always feel like man, sometimes
0: that struggle probably was too much. Yeah, it could be overwhelming. You kind of touched on a lot of things, you know, that you went through growing up in Portland, growing up with your dad. What was one thing that sticks out to you, you know what I'm saying, that you had to overcome, you think, to get to, let's say college? You know, what was that, what was a barrier or something you had to overcome?
2: Um, I think it was just more so belief in myself, uh, belief in, in that I could do something, you know. that imposter syndrome, I, like, at that time when I was younger, I didn't know what it was. Um. But I rem- I remember, man, going into in high school, man. I literally was just stinking up the joint. Like I really, I wasn't going to school. I mean, I failed art in high school. Failed art because I used to I used to skip school all. The, I used to skip school all the time. Like school was not a priority for me. Like I just didn't see myself like being a part of education. Like education, I always felt like it was it was against me. Like even when I try, I remember. I was in this class, and it was a it was a U.S. history class, and I like I remember I I started applying myself. I said, I'm i I'm am a I'm gonna do good in this class. I'm gonna do good in this class, and I really was doing good in that class. And I remember it was this, I had studied for this test, and I was studying right before the right before the test happened, and then I put I put the, my study materials underneath my desk. And, you know, I know I took the I took the test and whatever, and, and you know I'm sorry I, I passed what ended up happening though was the kid behind me ended up take like taking the test taking like my study materials under my desk and he was trying to use it to cheat and Mm. the teacher called him and i didn't even know because he sitting right behind me and i saw and i saw her grab one of his papers from out out of his lap and i'm thinking he had his own paper but it was one of my papers and she ended up giving both of us an f i'm like how you gonna give me an F? Like, I didn't even know the kid had my paper. Like, I sat there and studied. I ain't have to cheat for that test. And, like, she really gave me an F And what, what blew my mind was because I, I snapped. I snapped. I said, man, I said, you really can't, like, do this to me. I, like, I really studied for this test. I didn't have to cheat for this test. You didn't see the paper in my lap. You ain't not see nothing. And she went and told the principal that I was cursing her out and that I, and I, and I like, I was calling her a nigga, all that. But like, I'm sitting there, like, wow like huh. I didn't even say that. I didn't say half of what you tell me, saying that I said and so that kind of like dissuaded me from education st- and, and it's, it's, of course you know she's a, a white teacher that's often happens with white teachers and black students like white female teachers and black uh, students is that if you challenge them in any in, uh, type of way it becomes you know that, that idea of white tears like, like that that permit patty and stuff like that that you see on, on social media and stuff like that now yeah. that's been going on Like every time that you, like we we had an altercation, like it was always more than what it was. And so so I heard somebody say like, sometimes white women know how to use those white tears very strategically. And and damn sure, it happened to me in high school. Like they knew how to use those very strategically to make it sound like they was the victims. And so those type of things, like I had to start like saying, man, I gotta have a belief in myself. Like nobody else gonna believe in me, I have to believe in myself. Like before, like I, I was letting all these outside factors. Like if I'm saying, "Yo, Bryony, you ain't gonna do an education, you ain't gonna do good, good in education." Uh, you might as well just like not even worry about, it, not even stress it. And like, used, and you asked me about the, the profile picture making. Like he personified that, right? Because in the movie, he's like he wants to be he wants to be recognized for his ability because he's super smart but everybody only looks at him as evil. Like There's nothing about him that that when he was younger that was evil, but everybody always associated him with being evil. And so he got to a point where he said, I'm gonna embrace being evil. I'm gonna be the villain. I'm gonna use my super talents now to do bad deeds since I think I'm supposed to be this way. And so I kind of embraced that same type of mentality when I was young. I was like, since since y'all believe I'm supposed to be this way, I'm gonna be this way. So I I stopped going to school. I stopped caring about school and stuff like that. Um, But then, you know i kind of have to like think about myself in like the five to ten year plan and i saw so many things happening to other people that i said man what is going to what is going to come with me if i keep if i keep going on the same path and i remember i, I got a girlfriend when i was in, in high school towards the tail of my house and was, she was super smart and i said man i got to keep up I said, i can't have her out here doing all this great stuff and then she's with this foolish guy. Like, I, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't out here embarrassing her as well. I had to make sure that I wasn't out here embarrassing myself. And so I ended up like, just like, really like, man, putting everything, like all the negativity to the back of my head. I was like, man, what's your, your plan? Like, do you plan on going to college? Do you plan on having a job? Like, at the time, I wasn't thinking about going for a PhD. I ain't know nothing about a PhD. I ain't know nothing about a master's degree. I ain't know nothing about none, none of that. I just knew we had to go to college. I said, so do I feel like I was going to get into college with the grades I had? I said, no, I ain't going to get into college with the grades I got now. I said, but I got time. And I really started bucking down. Like, I, I remember, I, most people don't understand this. Like, why? Why I do well academically now, I graduated high school with a 2.3 GPA. Hmm. There was nothing impressive about what I, like, and I, and I had to struggle to get that 2.3 GPA because of what I did in the first couple of years. I had to struggle to get there. I mean, I couldn't even play football. Because I didn't have the GPA, my freshman year. You so sound
0: like you me.
2: me. Yeah, like I didn't, like I, I really didn't play sports in high school till my senior year. That was the first year I, I played sports.
0: Wow. Because I couldn't play it no other year. What, so my question is, you know, I think you hit on something very important is that when you're in a classroom and you come in with this stigma, and sometimes it turns you into that person that the other person thinks you are, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But how, how did you push back uh mentally? Other than outside, of you know, you say you had a girlfriend, you felt like you had to keep up, but what was that in you that didn't say, you know what, I wanna go to college, you know what I'm saying, I gotta go to college. Cause I think some people don't have that that push. It's just like, you know, I'm gonna go to the street. Or I'm gonna go work at this little job, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I mean, I, 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 I'll be honest, I was never a no street guy. I knew I wasn't
2: gonna go to the streets. I, I ain't had a heart for it. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie to you. I, I like I, I just I, I was afraid of going to jail. I was afraid of like dying, like all those bad stuff that you hear. Because being being my mother's child, even it was even family members who thought we was end up dead or in jail. Like they kept saying, they kept re- repeating that to us. It was like, damn, that's how y'all feel about us, you know? It's, it's part of part of it was like, man, I'm out to prove some people wrong. But also the other thing that, that on the other side of it was people automatically assume that I wasn't going to go to college. I remember I was, in, was uh, at this, I want to say it was either a study hall or war struggle or something. And somebody said, like, so what are y'all going to do? They would ask that the, me and my brother they always called us twins. They were like, twins, what are y'all going to do after college? I mean, after high school level. And somebody was like, oh, they, oh, Brandon's going to the Navy. I was like, what? I'm not going to know, like, I don't know military aspirations. And so I'm like, damn it, y'all really don't think I can go to college y'all don't think I can excel at like at the next level or something. Like I understand that I haven't been applying myself, but that don't mean that I wasn't capable. Like y'all, y'all got the two mixed up. They act like the two were synonymous, and it wasn't. I was more than capable. Now I didn't apply myself, but I still knew I could do the work. And so part of that was was in there. It was like man, I'm not about to let people try to dictate what I'm going to do and, and limit myself based off these people's expectations. I like I know I'm greater than this. Like I know I, I know I'm going to be better than this. And it's like all right, and so I remember I was like, man, my senior year I was like, man, I'm about to put in some real work. I was on, the, I was running track. I did everything I was supposed to do uh, academically, and I mean, I started, I mean, I, and then I started getting those phone calls from uh, recruiters and stuff like that. Like they was like, yeah, we want you to come to our university. We want you to come to our university. And that kind of like even motivated me more. Like people who don't know me like see potential in me, and I have only been running track for a couple of months. Like I haven't, I wasn't able to run my first three years. So my saying, yeah, I'm getting phone calls from college recruiters. Now granted, a lot of those college recruiters probably really wanted my brother more than they wanted me. Uh, because they did like, again, a lot of people probably didn't see their potential. They probably just saw what they wanted to see and like, oh, he must, he must don't care that much. And it just wasn't that. And so I had to start showing people my potential. That that carried with me all to college. Like people not recognizing my potential, uh, and so I have to prove it more so than you got. You seeing me and saying, "Okay, this kid got potential." But I actually had to like prove it to these people. Like, "Oh, I'm gonna be greater than what you think I'm gonna be."
0: Hmm.
2: And that's what it, that's what it took.
0: So so you end up going to Virginia State University. Uh, how was that transition for you? You know, you know, that transition to
2: Virginia State, man, it was it was different. Cause I had to still get out. Like I said, I think I became I was already an introvert by the time I got out of high school. It was only a select few people that I to that I really would hang around with. Uh, and some and those people, man, I, I thank so much because they they always looked out. Cause we all came from the same area, and we all uh, looked out for one another. Like if somebody didn't have something, we made sure that everybody had it. Uh, if somebody was uh, out of some somebody needed some help. We made sure that they got it. And I remember, I'm go I'm gonna go back a little bit. When I was talking about the um, the, the 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 poorness of, of the poverty levels that which we was living in, I remember yeah. my, I remember when my brother first came to Virginia. We recognized, man, we we, we wasn't gonna have like any access to like fun funds whatsoever, and it was like what was so abundant at maryland was just not abundant at uh in virginia and so we we literally me and my brother would go go to the stores in the morning and we just go steal and i mean we became so good at, we was like little ninjas we became so <laughs> good at stealing like they couldn't catch us they ended up coming to the school to try to figure out like who we were like how we was doing what we was doing because- could not catch it like we were some little kids and they couldn't because like, me and my brother we was like man we don't have much like how are we gonna get it the only way we knew about how to get it was to was to steal it stealing no And we knew it was wrong but how else was we was gonna get the things that we wanted and so those are the type of things that we had to live like we had to live through that kind of stuff and we had to live the, uh, the consequences of it too and we had to learn those consequences at a early, very early age because like again, those are the those are the challenges that we had to live through. And so as we got older, our other friends was doing the same things that we was doing. Uh, but eventually, me and my brother, we got our hairs on straight. We was like, man, this ain't this ain't what this ain't what we need to be doing. And, and like we have no reason to do it. Like the stuff that we want is stuff that we that is exactly that we want it. We don't need it. And so we have to talk ourselves into that. And how to talk, get ourselves right. And we eventually like got everybody else right, but I'm so grateful for those people because even in that, in, that, in those times we had people that were willing to to help us out and stuff like that willing to sacrifice some time with us and and, and and make sure that everybody had what we needed to have even if it was through those type of means but so being around those people, those are the people that I always was around, so going to Virginia State mind you I was the only one who went to college out of my circle of friends I was the only one who made it so I, I have to make a whole new group of friends and i i, I just didn't know how that was going to go uh you know it's, it's terrifying for somebody who's an introvert and, and you know how you know how these issues can be they can be very extroverted experiences like you have to really like <laughs> want to like yeah like you go outside and it's like a, a thousand people out there in the yard and you know yeah. you, you're walking down the yard with your book bag on and you kind of nervous nice. Like, do i have the right gear more? like do like what, like what am i supposed to like do? like somebody gonna call me out somebody gonna try to like cook like joke with me am i gonna have to, like a, a, a response back what's gonna happen like I, like you you know how it is like hey that's that's a that's a, a scary walk th- to through the yard especially as a freshman and you got like people that been there for like six years <laughs> so they just they're on the routine and so i'm um i'm i'm i'm, I'm that transition made like it, it made me man up a little bit about like trying to develop something outside of like what i was used to it, it got me out of my comfort zone if you will got me out of comfort zone academically got me out of my comfort zone like as far as like living in the range, but, like i had to be responsible for myself you know waking myself up uh going to classes like i ain't i, I don't have my they're not they're not sending my report cards to my parents and stuff no more like I'm responsible for my grades. I gotta make sure that I'm putting the grades that I want. Make sure I hold myself accountable. And I ain't gonna lie, my first meet, my first semester, that was kind of rough. That was kind of rough. I was like, I mean, I used to go to class. Like it, it was, it was, a, it was adjustment because one, I run the track. Track practice was starting at 5:30 a.m. We never have 5:30 a.m. practices in uh, high school. I mean, I tried. To, I mean, I tried to sneak one time. I was like, I'm, I'm gonna sleep I said sleep it's fine. I said I ain't gonna make it. I'm gonna sleep in. 5:32. My coach called in my room. Brandon, where you at? I was like, dang. So I had to run out there, take the consequences for being late, and still do the workout. I was like, all right, something going to give. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna have to keep. I make that adjustment to get up on time. or I'm gonna keep facing these consequences. I was like, but one or the other one, one or the other guy, one of them got a break. And so I ended up uh, like I started. I started getting back into that routine, but it I I recognize there was also cost to me too. Because I used to try to stay up late, you know what I'm saying, try to stay up late, watch TV, or or, or try to hang out with people. And you know, I was tired in class. Like I used to be, even if I sat in the front row of class, I mean I was in the front row of poetry science class. And I would be in that class not all because I wasn't getting enough sleep. I didn't know how to adjust my schedule. I, I just was lost in the souls. So my first semester, I had like a 2.5 GPA. And I said, nah, B, I said, we're not going to do this again. I said, we're not about to do what we did in high school. I said, we're going to get it together ASAP. And I mean, from that point on, I said, man, if it ain't a 3.0, I am failing. And I kept that mentality. I said, man, if it ain't 3.0, I'm failing. I said, because we're not about to do and struggle the way we did in high school. I said, because people, you did not even make it here. I people, own family members who'd say, Oh, you're gonna either end up dead or in jail. No matter, no matter how good we, we, was, we was doing, it was always the the consequence. You either dead or in jail, dead or in jail. Dang, that's a bit more but like my options are limited. Like that's why you that's what you feel about me. That's not my options. That's what you feel about me. And so yeah. I I, said, I had to step, I said, man, B, we going we're gonna prove everybody wrong. Even, but even in that mentality is wrong. Like, even that mentality is saying, I'm going to prove somebody else wrong. That's damaging to, to your own psyche. Because you're not mm-hmm. doing it because you believe in yourself. You're not doing it because you you want to see yourself do better. You're doing it because somebody is telling you you can't do it. And so I, I at some point in time, I had to make that adjustment too. It's like, we're not worried about nobody. We're not doing this for nobody else. Because the moment those people start telling you, you're doing wonderful, are you going to stop? Like, you no. Know. You got to be able to say, all right, what are you going to do for yourself? Like, when are you going to start saying, I want to do this for myself because I want this in the future? Or I want to be able to say, well, I want to go here in the future. Or, I want to be able to have these opportunities in the future. And it took, it took some people to, to, to wake me up to that. I had got mentors when I was at Virginia State University. Uh, I had people who I wouldn't even consider a mentor, but they dang so sure was giving me advice. Some of, them, some of them was bad, some of them was good. Uh, I remember, um, I just one professor, Doctor Conrad Gillian. I never forget him. This man, I used to wear do This was the do rag era, so I used to wear do to class and stuff like that. And he used to be like, "Man, he said, why you keep wearing do to class?" He said, "Man, you ain't gonna. Be able to, he said, you ain't gonna find no professional wearing do rag to their job." He's like, "Why you keep wearing do rag to class?" I was like, "You know what? I, I didn't think about it like that. I was just thinking that I'm, I'm trying to be young." You know what I'm saying? He's like, "He's, I get that y'all want to be like." And y'all, embrace your all culture and stuff like they said, but, you know, you're at HBCU. This whole place is your culture. Like, embrace that. You don't always have to embrace, like, certain stereotypes. Embrace the HBCU experience. Embrace what we what we stand for as HBCU. And that was, that was partly true. Uh, and so I, I had to recognize that, too. So all these things were, like, happening at the same time. You know, you never can, like, really Sit in the when you in the moment, you re, you don't recognize these transitions happening. because like when you go back and reflect on it, you be like, okay, I see where these transitions are occurring at.
1: Looking back on your one of the questions you answered, you told me about uh how you you talked about uh how you used to go in the stores, you know what I'm saying, pick up things. I want to know like what was the thought pattern, like thinking if you ever got caught, like what was the consequence? Like what was the what was the thought pattern that went through your head? Like, man, I had to do this, man, you know what I'm saying? Like, what did you think of? Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, when you in the moment, you really ain't
2: thinking about the consequences. You don't really think about the consequences until like the consequences actually actually about to happen. And I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you an example because that that almost was a that almost was a thing. Uh, I had a, we 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 went it was when we was in high school. We went to the store. We were skipping school. We went to the store. We was like we we got to get some stuff that we gonna eat for the day. Like it was a it was a bunch of my boys and us skipping school so i mean when i say we was good at it i mean we, it was like hot pockets chicken like it wasn't small food it was like whole meal and so me and one of my other buddies we, we and we got everything that we needed and there was a third buddy that was with us and like he was a little nervous and he was nervous because he didn't want to get he like he, he didn't want to get caught alone and so that one of my my other buddies tried to help him out and i remember i went down the other aisle but I had saw the lady peek out of like the Where they do the Cutting the The meat set and stuff like that The, the deli section she, she had peeked out from around the corner And I saw her peek out But I was already down the other aisle And she had saw the other guys And so this dude Was, was trying to get away He ran down my aisle And I I turned around and I said oh my god I like you about to get his boat call I like I she." And she ended up she didn't recognize that I was with him until like he said my he tried to say my name, and so I went around I went around the corner he went he went I went right he went left, and then it was some it was a manager coming from behind the front desk she actually ended up running past me and I was like by the grace of God that was the most luckiest stuff thing ever because she ran slammed like she did not know that I was with them she didn't know anything she she walked literally right across my face. And I ran out that bag on door, and I ran across that parking lot, and I ran all the way home. And it was like, man, and you, at that time, that's when you—that's th- when, you, that's, when you, that's when you start thinking, what the heck was I thinking? Like, why was I in that store, like stealing and stuff like that? Stuff I don't need. Like, why well, I'm not in school? Wow.
1: Like, like, you don't, like, you really not think about the cost, but you just think about what you want. So, 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 at what point? At what point did you recognize, okay, I'm doing wrong now? I can't live my life like this, I gotta do better. At what point in your life, like what experience changed you to the man that you are today? Cause now uh, you working on your PhD. So, yeah. I mean, so it's yeah. like, I, I, I mean, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a big jump because you coming from poverty, you coming from nothing to so now. Okay, man, I'm working on my PhD. Like, I mean, I know that it gotta hit you somewhere where you gotta pat yourself on the back. Like, man, man, I've been through a lot, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, but what point, what, what changed you? What At what point did you think i need better for myself
2: you know that's a good question man and i don't know if it was uh, one particular thing it was just like really being home being in portsmouth and and just seeing what portsmouth was producing now not to say that portsmouth produces like nothing but negativity but i mean i saw people get killed I, I saw people go to jail for years. I don't. I, I not have friends get killed, and it was just like, and it wasn't even all the way in high school that I that I saw the change. Like some of that change really didn't, or some of that stuff that didn't click really click for me until I was in college and I was away from Portsmouth. and I saw what the world, what else the world had to offer me as well. And I started getting other opportunities. I started seeing like I started getting to travel to different places. I'm like. I don't want to screw this up this ain't something I'm trying to screw up like I I'm like really pushing myself and I saw what what happens when you really push yourself it was like when I really put this work in like not and I have really outworked what everybody else thinks that I can do I started getting opportunities and then my coach used to say this thing that, that, that still rings true to me today and I it may, it may be a Thomas Jefferson quote I don't know but he always saying. it it, so so many of those things, man. It was just those, like seeing seeing what outside seeing outside of Portsmouth, and then seeing what Portsmouth had to offer me. It was just it was a no brainer It was like, man, I don't want to fall in that same trap. Like I can't, because then I feel like I'm, I felt myself. Like you going, you living, seeing what I seen, and and having the experience that I have there's no doubt in my mind that some of that stuff played like has huge stresses on my life some of that stuff probably was like a cancer like ptsd or something and i always say man kids kids from the hood man they they really those those are people that you should re- people should really be checking on for ptsd and things like that because some of that stuff man like it ain't for the faint of heart it ain't like that stuff really can produce some some terrible mental illnesses for people and, and and I'm a living, living testament to that. And so just seeing, just so just seeing some of that, and also seeing the good behind some, some of the work that I that, that I would do, uh, it kind of really like pushed me to that that I could that I can do more. And then other people, like I said, belief in myself, and other people who started expressing some belief in me. I had some I had some role in it too. Like people, I had one oceanography teacher, uh, Mr. Sellers. He used to always be like, man you can do so much more and i remember i just, I, remember when I first got the first uh college uh offer he was like i was like i'm gonna go here and run track and stuff like that he said he said yeah but you know you track ain't everything like what else you gonna do like, he was a, he was the first person that did not shoot me down about going to college he wanted to see me do more than just think that i was going to be a college athlete he was the first person who did not shoot me down about college and I'm forever grateful for that. He was always made sure he was like, man, he said, you, he said you can do a lot more than just run play sports and run track. He said, because your legs gonna give out. He said, at some point you're gonna get old. He said, all this stuff is gonna happen. What else are you gonna do? He ain't said you can't do this. He ain't say, Brandon, you you, you know, you, you should try something different. He just said, What else you gonna do? And, then, and, and when I and anything I tell him, he said, All right, what's your plan for? Like he used to always do that. Like he never shot me down. And he like honestly, he's probably he's probably one of the first white guys that I ever trusted too, because that race, I man, that 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 played a huge part factor in a lot of stuff with what a lot of my experiences growing up. You know, you in my neighborhood, you know, it's nothing but white cops patrolling it. You know, when you it was white teachers who always gave me some of the hardest trouble. Um, and so I mean and all my experiences with authority pretty much was white people, like, right. and that's that's it, the truth. And so, if I got in trouble or anything like that, that's who I saw. So he he kind of like he kind of gave me a another idea about white people. Uh, but I I, I I'm forever
1: I pray for his his encouragement throughout the whole process as well. Wow. you talk about the process and you talked about your teacher I mean I had a white teacher I went I'm, I, a little about myself um well I'm from Miami Florida I don't know if you know too much about Miami well I'm from the area in Miami called Liberty City uh okay it's a, it's a rough it's a rough it's a rough area in Miami uh, a lot of killing a lot of a lot of everything you know what I'm saying it's one of the roughest areas in Miami you know that right. area and, and over town so you know what I'm saying so I I could understand a lot when you talk and I had one teacher that was a white teacher too you know his name was Mr. Axtail and it's the first guy you know what I'm saying I ever trusted that was a white man and I met him in the sixth grade and he taught me so much and he, he was my teacher from sixth grade until 12th grade you know what I'm saying he followed me when I went to high school and this was the only white man I ever trusted so when you speak on on those those things like these some things that we need to talk about but they're all good white people they're all good you know what i'm saying i mean i guess it's not a, it's not a color thing i guess it's, a, it's it's a hard thing like who are you you know so we got like we really have to take a look into ourselves and say okay i'm a human being he's a human being i didn't get i didn't pick the uh the skin color i, I picked you know what i'm saying like this just what this is the way god blessed me you know what I'm saying? If I if I'm able to love the next man, you know what I'm saying, respect him. I mean, we get so sometimes we get so big on religion, uh, we forget to be about to forget to be real and spiritual. I mean, love, wow. love I think love is the most important thing, you know. Um, but hearing you talk, man, right. you know, I sat back and let you talk because man, I mean you hit a lot of spots, you know what I'm saying. I, and, and I can understand when you talked about uh your childhood, your mom, you know what I'm saying. What's that relationship with you and your mom now? That's what I want to know, like, man. You know, I mean, is it is it a is it a good relationship or how is that relationship?
2: Good question.
1: Um, you know, I, I've been to my mom in years. Um and you
2: know, that's that's something that I can't say that I necessarily regret, but I do wish that I had. Uh and I was, you know, and cause it, it affects so much, man. I, I, I'm forever, I'm I'm forever grateful to black women because uh, of what they was able to do. Like when I'm, when I'm, for every like one, for every like one black woman that I would say that probably made me feel some type of negativity about myself, there was like five, six, seven other ones who was ready to pick me up. And so I'm forever grateful for them. So I, I used to allow a lot of people, other a lot of people, mothers to like give me that love and nourishment. But my aunt really, my aunt really provided that for me. In a lot of ways, and so, but yeah, I haven't talked to my mom in years, and it's funny because when I was talking to my girlfriend, and you know, since that time I I broke down in front of her, like I, I don't like to cry often, but I did cry that that one time, and she was like, I was telling, I was telling her like we was having this conversation about my attachment to women. Like I'm an introvert, so I only trust certain people. So with my significant others, I like to like I'm appreciative of them. I, I like to spend my time with them. But I don't like to go out. Like I don't like to like go out and do a lot of stuff. Like if she wants to go out and stuff like that, i be like, all right, we can go out and do, you can do whatever you want to do. But as far as going out like to meet people and stuff like that, I'm not. That's not my first choice. And she was she was just asking me. She was like, you know, why do you like to spend so much time around with me and like and not go out and hang out with any other friends? Because even when Amante was here, I'd chill with Amante and stuff like that. But outside of having and some a couple of others. I mean, I didn't hang out with people. And I was just like, man, and I was like, man, I, somebody had told me this in high school. It was like, cause I had to say, I mean the same thing was happening in the high school. Like I don't like to chill with my sniffing other. That's it. Like everybody else can kick rocks. Unless you was in my small circle of friends or my sniffing other. I really ain't like hanging out with you. And it was, it was like, are you, like, why are you, why are you like, they asked me in high school. And I was like, and I told my girl like, this, it was because it, it, it may have a, more, a lot to do with what what my mother did to me and just what why, and why my attachment to women is the way that it is because she just up and left. And in, in the back of my head, it, it, uh, it will always feel like some woman's gonna up and leave out of nowhere. And so sometimes I like to just hold on to that moment while I can. And so, my like. What what my mother did to me, no doubt in my mind, it, it damaged me a lot. Uh it damaged my relationship with that I that I can have women, uh, and then I continue to try to, to work through. It's like I like I'm I'm very appreciative of the women that I have in my life and I like, like to have them around. It's just like but I was like, if my mother could do that, the person who birthed you can do that to you, what you think somebody else is gonna do?
1: Yeah, that's tough. And so that's that's
2: tough. so I'm, I'm always I'm always like I'm always scared and she you, you can ask my girl I'm always scared that she's gonna leave I'm never gonna have the chance to say goodbye Wow um, and so sometimes that, that sometimes that that happens man it's just like so I'm always like I'm always worried about her when she goes out I'm always like texting her like yo just let me know when you make it home safely or let me know when you make it to your destination and stuff like that because I, I'm afraid of I'm a, I that honestly I'm afraid of that part is like not being able to chance to say goodbye, or at least you telling me that you're leaving. Like my 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 mother doing that. That's that's in some ways, shape or form, that stuff has that stuff has 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 shaped some of my
1: mentality. Wow. All right. Wow, man. So moving forward, like you trying to like navigating navigating um through this process, you trying to what you gonna do. To, to, to bring some type of closure because you know you moving ahead and like you know what i'm saying and, and i'm just saying like i'm not telling you to to let that let that let that go because that was a big thing like for mom you know what i'm saying like but yeah you know what i'm saying you got like what i've learned too is when we hold on to those things you know what i'm saying like look at yourself now like man you, man you got so much going on for yourself you know what i'm saying i mean just for just to be able to build some type of relationship with your mom even if, it, if it's not a relationship as I got to talk to you every day just to know that this is the person that birthed me, that gave me the life to be able to be the person I am. Even though she didn't see the light that you see now, you know what I'm saying? Thank God for that. You know what I'm saying? You know, mm-hmm. uh, moving forward, like, is there any repair or, like...
2: You know, I mean,
1: it I don't know. You know, it could have been. And
2: I ain't going to say that, it, that it's completely out of, out of the question now, but I remember, so here's some of the things that, that happens. Uh, like I think a year or two ago, I went to Maryland, that's where she lives at. She lives in Maryland. My aunt and I still live in Maryland. My grandma lives in Maryland. I went to go visit my uh grandma and them and, and, uh, for Christmas one year. And my my aunt had told me, my aunt knows she knows I don't have a relationship with my mother. And my aunt had told me that she had told my mother that I was in town uh against my wishes. And and so she had said, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna come, I'm gonna come past and whatever. Man she never came I was there for a few days She never came You would think that that the son that you haven't seen in years You would be excited to go back and see She never came So I can't really say that it's it's my It's it's my responsibility at this point I can only say that You know I'm about to be 30 this year And my mother's been a part of my life for Three maybe four years, and I made it this far. And like I said, my aunt aunt has given me so much love that me not having my mother's my mother's apology, my mother's forgiveness, or my mother uh, asking for forgiveness, I'll be. I think I'll be fine with that. And I mean, I'm I'm not the only one, man. You got to remember, other dynamics it happens in too. Like when we talk about absent fathers, I mean, I'm quite sure that. There's a lot of people out there who probably wish they had their father in life, but it's not gonna change the fact that they didn't have their father in life. And they they have they been they've done pretty well. Like I think about um, uh, LeBron James. He's one who's had more of his mother's love and affection more so than his father, and he, I mean, he turned out excellent. I know LeBron James, but. The kid is—I mean, he's done done marvelous. I mean, in other aspects, I'm quite sure he probably wish he had his father and stuff like that. I'm—I'm and and I'm the same way. I, I wish I had my mother's love, but it's not gonna—it's not gonna stop the, no train from from going. It's going. I'm gonna keep pushing. Like I wasn't. Like you know, it's, it's the old old saying: out of sight, out of mind. And so, like I said, my—I my still talk to my aunt faithfully. I talk to my grandma faithfully. Ah, they still provide me with well. The, the, the love the encouragement the things that i need if i need anything i'll call them if i want to talk i'll call them oh. so i
1: have i've had ways to supplement yeah, on that level i could i could relate to you because you know my father he's been in prison my whole life like from the day i was born mm. maybe to the day i was like 19 or 20 So my father mm. been in prison so when i'm speaking on that level the reason why i'm touching on it because like now like my father he got out of prison now you know what I'm saying uh, I'm repairing a relationship with him like we talk now we message each other but I know that sometimes it's a it's a guilt thing on the other side too think of a parent yeah. you knowing you have a child you have kids, you left out here you know what I'm saying and, and now the yeah. parent don't know how to how to make that connection you know what I'm saying but I can tell right now like you 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 mature you know what I'm saying you matured on all different levels like it's just it hurt you know what I'm saying it hurt you as well But you got to understand, like, you've learned to deal with that. You've learned to embrace certain things. Like, you've learned to overcome. Uh, Maybe, I think, man, I think I really do, man, because just listening to you, man, I I feel like that's that's how I felt at one point when I was like, man, that's my daddy. But, you know what I'm saying, man, he wasn't here. You know what I'm saying? My mom and my grandma did everything. My uncles, you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, just listening to you, I'm here myself. But then I also listen to, okay, man, what if I didn't make a bigger effort you know what I'm saying to be a bigger man and say, you know what, daddy man, I know. You know what I'm saying it might be an insecure thing, man. Let's just let us just start all over, man. Let's start from this day. You know what I'm saying let's just try to be better. You know what I'm saying. I mean, you don't have to have. You don't gotta be perfect. I'm not looking for you to be perfect. I'm not looking for you to call me all the time. I'm just looking for you to just just be my just be my daddy, be my father. If I do call you, man, just just call back. Just just give me a message. You ain't gotta. I don't, I'm, looking, I'm not looking for no money. I mean, I I was listening to you talk and you opening up some wounds to me. You know, so I mean. Mm-hmm. No, no, I get it. I get
2: it. And like I said, I mean, and you may feel differently, but the, the way I the way I always see it, man, is like at this point, it's it's on her to reach out because one, like in, in your case, me case was a little bit different uh, than when my my mother was a free woman, she had access, she has my she she has people that knows my number, and she, like she's not she's not social media. And so there's many different avenues In which she could reach out And not to say she had not tried to reach out So I'll make that On Facebook She would go and like a picture Or comment on a picture But that's much different Like she might say Oh this is a nice photo Or something like that But that's much different To pick up the phone and say Brandon I'm sorry for what, for what I did to you And your brothers And sisters now, it, That's much different than Bro, I, I had my I had my difficulties uh in the past and I, I want to try to make amends to you. And 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 the scary part and the scary part of, about this whole thing is I always call my aunt and and it, against my better judgment, I always ask for updates about my mother. So I do ask my aunt like, yo, have you seen my mother? Like what's she doing? And to be honest with you, I mean, some of the reports that I get, they don't be, like, I, they don't know if she's still drug, stru- struggling with drugs or not. They don't know if, like, like she's currently supposed to have gotten married or something like that and living with some guy or her situation is very complicated with her, with what relationship she has with some guys. And so sometimes it's just like, Maybe she don't need this right now. She don't need need this relationship right now. She has something else that she needs to continue to work on. And so sometimes she just need sometimes it just is better if we if we don't. And that's just that's just the truth.
0: Uh, At that, that man, that should be so tough, man, because a lot of things that we juggle outside of school, you know, we, we build our brands, you know what I mean? I, mm-hmm. I know the brand in Allen, the brand very well. <laughs> the actor. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? in your brand who you are while we in school. But outside of school, we also have this brand. We also have this, this, like you said, the imposter syndrome. This person who we really are outside is what made us that person, man, it's hard juggle that while also building your brand at the same time but how did you how are you building your brand now how are you moving forward you know what i'm saying amongst having all these other issues outside of school (laughs) you know um
2: I i try to limit i try to limit myself now to like those outside of school type of issues um as much as much as I should, I should call my dad more often, uh, but I don't. Uh, and, and part of it is because I don't want anybody to tell me any bad news. I know my dad's had his, some issues with his health. Um, and so and he he's not very he's not a very open guy, so he's not gonna really like open up about this. So my brothers and sisters brothers and sisters are telling me, and so sometimes I just don't want the bad news. Sometimes I just I want the peace, I want the the relaxation, like. You know sometimes you just you just tell yourself "Oh, everything's fine back home just, just to make yourself feel better uh because you know you got you still got you're not at the finish line yet. you're not where you need you not get to where you need to go at right now and and so right now my man my brain you know as, as you know monty is, is focusing on really just like making sure that we do better as a that we do better as a society and so you know we do social justice thing. we did that slip motor drive we did all that stuff um Speaking of which, Amonti, you get As much as I get all this credit
0: for
2: all the time, I'm like, yo, I did not do this by myself. I like, y'all should be thinking of just as much as y'all thinking me, man. Like, I know I I get it, I'm the one that's here, but that man made the trip with me. That man was, some of these ideas were sparked by him. Like, like he deserves more credit in, in, in some of these things. And so, I do give you kudos for that. So every time they, they do try to mention, I always try to make sure that I say Monty was one of the ones right there beside me. Um, but you know, that's 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 my brand now, man. It's just like people recognize me as somebody who's gonna be outspoken, uh, who's gonna really be focused on uh, make sure that we doing right by by the most vulnerable people. Because I, I think that's that's how we gotta look at it. It's the, it's the people, and when I say vulnerable. It's those that society or the system takes advantage of, or intentionally or, or unintentionally. It just happens to be a byproduct. But these are our most vulnerable citizens. These are people that we often look over, and so we need to make sure that uh, they are they are well taken care of. That's the only way we're going to move in society. That's that's my brain, and, and, and I'm quite sure you aware of that. Um, and so, but as far as like outside of outside of like the academy and stuff like that. You know, I don't, I, my brand is very, pretty much quiet. Like, you, people won't people won't see me out. People won't see me wilding out. People won't see me nowhere. They'll see me, They only way you will see me is as you come to my apartment. Uh, because that's, that's just the way I like it. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, part of it is my childhood, part of it is what I've been exposed to. So sometimes you just like, man, life has already been too stressful, man. Let me just make it peaceful by just spending the hours and just enjoying what I do have. So I try not to take nothing for granted in in, in that regards.
0: I, I want to touch on something you just touched on. I want to say I appreciate it, but, you know, as we started our little initiatives, man, it was never about the publicity. You
1: were just about
0: yeah. doing the work, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, man, you got together, it was like, we just got to do the work. That's how me and Quey are, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, we talk a lot, but at the end of the day, what what we got to show for. Uh, and so, you know what I'm saying? It was never about that. But at the end of the day, you know, how do you manage being a community servant and also
2: being, you know, a scholar? You know, um, you really just got to make the time, man. It's gonna, it's gonna be some sleepless nights. Uh, it, it's, it really is. But somebody has to do the work. And if you, if you wait for somebody else to do the work, the work is never gonna get done. And that's just real. Like because so, so, too many people are waiting for somebody else to do the work or at least start the work for them. And so you just. at some point in time and if there's something that you feel is right you got to be the one to do it and so I just really I just try to say man the work some of the work that I'm going to be doing it's only going to take up a certain amount of time from this date to this date let me just make it work between those two between those two dates and everything and let everything else fall in line and then once once that's over with I can get back to what I need to get I can get back to doing 100% of what I need to be doing so when we, like, when we did the slant water drop and stuff like that, man, we just made we just made time. And we knew what type of, type of time we just had to get to that, to that initiative. Especially the first time we went there. We were like, all right, we just gonna raise some money. You know what I'm saying? And we didn't know how big it was gonna get. We was like, we gonna raise some money. All we gotta do is take the money and take the water up there and take it back and and, 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 and drive back. We knew what, time, what type of time commitment we were talking about. We knew what we needed to do. Now granted, some of the things that we, we, we probably didn't see all the way through, but we knew what type of time we had to give to it. And we knew, knew why we needed to give our time to it. It was important. Yeah. Right? And you have to be able to balance that and say, man, I can get back to whatever I need to get back to, but this is important right now. These are people that need it right now. So sometimes, I mean, that's, that's, what, that's what it takes. It just takes people who are willing to like say, I'm going to put in some work this time. I'm going to put in some work from, between these hours. I'm going to put in some work between these days. And then once 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 this once this is over, I can get back to work my normal routine. But somebody needs my help now. And the world has to understand that sometimes people need that help right now. So some things have to be put on hold. You're right. If they, don't, if, they can't, if, they can't, if they can't recognize that, man, you you know what type of character they have. I wanted to
0: ask you a question um, related to your college experience moving from Virginia State to Virginia Tech. You know what I'm saying? How was that experience moving from an HP? to a
2: pizza. I mean, that, that, that experience, man, really made me pay attention to identity uh, and, and the importance of that. It's like, not everybody gets it. And so, when you're working around with people who who have never, like, worked with your type of, like, what with your identity before, you really gotta make some adjustments into, like, how you wanna adapt to that. It's like, because, at HBCU, your identity is support Your identity is everywhere. Right? And, it's, and it becomes so everywhere that sometimes you don't even recognize it, it's your identity to leave that space. And so me being me, you know what I'm saying, I, I lived in a predominantly black neighborhood. Uh, you know what I'm saying? High school was uh, uh, had a lot of black kids in it. Uh, and HBCU, you know, it's a, the majority is black kids. And so now you are going to a school that has the a minimum of black people, right? Like they don't have five, six, seven thousand, seven thousand black people at Virginia Tech. Virginia State does. Virginia Tech doesn't. They have about a thousand maybe, and out of thirty thousand. So that that adjustment, man, it was just like, dang, like you really started to value your identity, and then me being an addict that was even worse. I was the only black person in my department the only black person. Some people, man, they, they just never had that experience with being with, with, with somebody whose identity is important. And so they they just don't know how to make that adjustment. And, and me, myself, I didn't know how to make that adjustment. I remember I was walking around here, I was like, man, do I really belong here? Like, I'm really at Virginia Tech right now. I seen this school on TV. Like, do I really belong here? Because I had to deal with that in my own self. It was it was a rough period. Um, I, 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 I met some good people. And I also met some people that I thought was harmful to to my to my well being. I mean, one time I got sick. I was sick. I was out for a couple of days. I came back. I told the guy, "You're like, yo, I was I was out for a couple of days. I, I think we got a test or something coming up. Like, is there anything that I can do?" And he was like, he said, "Well, if you're gonna be sick, maybe you should consider it like leaving." Like, he told me that because I got sick, like I, a natural human thing. I got sick. And he told me I should lead a program because of it. Like that's that's how like that's part of what I'm talking about, like about being human. Sometimes the minorities aren't allowed to be human. We're expected to persevere and, and go through all these trials and tribulations unquestioned. And if we don't, we are somehow weaker than everybody else. I I mean I work for USDA. I know I know some people that. Well, if they were sick they, oh, they ain't come in and in fact they'll tell you if you throwing up don't come in for like 72 hours they'll tell you but well, for some reason in, in education higher education they they had different rules for, for what we were supposed to do and if you are a minority the rules still didn't apply to you and so my, my, my time at, at Tech man it was it, it was I met some good people there I know some people are still there um and they they've done phenomenal work um i, I know a buddy tommy tommy mar who uh who's done work and continues to try to do work with their black men um he's been doing this uh little conference for them in april uh, he's always he's, he's asked me to come back several times but i just haven't had the time um and i mean that's probably i mean a couple of other people i probably keep in contact with but some of those people i'm grateful for dr thompson she was the, she was the man's advisor she wrote my recommendation letter uh, to go. I think she wrote my recommendation letter to get into Purdue. Um, and so she she was phenomenal. She she helped me along the way. Um, and I mean with others, but that being at a PWI, and making that transition, made me recognize how important identity was. My identity.
0: After uh, Virginia Tech, you went to Purdue uh, with Dr. Esther and you know he has the mentoring at Purdue program. He's created his own culture within the ydae pro, uh, program i know it's not ydae anymore yeah. but i will forever hold on to that <laughs> um, so you know how was that transition from your know, master's program at virginia tech where you were most i guess more so in a hard science to your transition to purdue with dr Esther's and more of a social science i
2: mean i i feel like i'm i feel like i'm at home um yeah, when I was in, I was in in my undergrad and and when, and when I was at Virginia Tech, I was in uh, animal science. Um, but I remember, and I, and I knew, I, I knew I wanted to do something different, but I remember I went on a job interview uh, after, I left, uh, after I left Tech and I was just like, and the guy asked me, he was, I mean, he told me, cause I had did, you know, for this uh, extension position he told me he said uh maybe you should think about doing something with uh with the youth uh, in youth development he said because you seem to have a lot of background about there about that he said this is really about beef cattle like and i was like maybe you're right but i wouldn't work for usda for two years before before he we was making that decision and i think uh, when i got to when i when i, when I started like thinking about Going back to school, I was like, let me check out Purdue and see what they got to offer. Uh, because um, uh, somebody had put me on to them, they was like, Yeah, you should try to contact Dr. Estes. And this is this is the time when I was like really entrenched in like some of the black scholarly works, you know, Malcolm Max's Sada book. Um, I was reading uh, Revolutionary Suicide by Hugh P. Newton and others. I'm like, Man, this is like some really eye opening stuff. Like, I, I was falling in love with. I was rediscovering my, my my blackness, my identity. Cause I had just been in some areas where it it just wasn't there. And so I'm rediscovering my identity, rediscovering my history, rediscovering so much about myself. Like I said, Michael Mack's book is one of the books that that ultimately like changed my life. But um it was others. Uh Derek Bell's Faces at the Bottom of the Well was another one. A fantastic book. And so I'm just, I'm just, I'm sitting there reading all this literature and I'm like. And I, and all these people were talking about different things, whether it was HBCUs and edu- black education, whether it was mass incarceration, and all these different things. I'm like, man, I need to go back to school because I, I I have some ideas that I want to, to work on. So I get in contact with Dr. Estes, and I'm telling my mom, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in HBCUs. I'm an HBCU graduate, um, and I just want to do some work with, with uh, helping minorities, underrepresented minorities, um, get their find their space in in, in, this, in this world of agriculture. Man, and we we basically clicked it, and he like he really he brought me on. He said, "Man, I'm gonna I'm bring you on. I'm gonna bring you on that wing." And he he really he really made it it me uh, for me. Like with the students that he was bringing in, like he nobody's brought in as many black students in the, in in our department or in the college as Dr. As has. Like I can honestly say that uh, he nobody done more than that. And so that kind of helped. Like seeing coming into the office every day. Seeing people who one went to HBCUs just like me, who had an appreciation for their blackness just like I did, uh, and they was like they was really about their business. So it was like it was both motivational and inspirational. Like one, because I knew if they was about their business, I ain't want to be caught la- uh, lagging behind. I'm like these are all black people who are really putting in this work. I can't be the only one not putting in work. But number two is just like seeing these people is like man, I I don't I didn't get this at my other institution. Like, I actually get to come into the office and see these people. We actually get to hang out. We actually get to do things together. And then we are part of this, this program where we actually help other minorities out. Like, this is fantastic. And so just having all that around me, that was just so motivational. This is why diversity is so crucial in higher education. Like, because in that little small little area, that was our critical mass and it meant so much about my own ability about my own under, like my own psyche my own sense of belonging like it meant a lot and then having a black uh, advisor as well just like oh, well, that's just icing on the cake and so like all that stuff like his, what he has going man I think if there was like 10 of those in other institutions people you, you, people would see a difference in, in the diversity of in ad. but unfortunately it's not
1: so. From what advice would you give to someone applying to graduate a program from an HBCU and thinking of going to a PWI, what should they look for in a program?
0: Yes sir,
2: uh, that is a, whew, that is an important question, a very important one, um, and I'm, I, honestly one, probably the most crucial one is make sure you visit the campus make sure you visit the campus. Like you get to see and I mean I don't mean during the summers. Don't look like I mean it's cool if you can get a free trip in the summer, that's fine. But try to find something during the school, years that way you can actually see the students. Yes you get to see some of the faculty members. Uh yes, you actually get to see like the campus like working and functioning um in its uh like daily operations. But number two, man, if something is like make sure that your research aligns. With, with who you'll be working with, make sure they understand what you what you're interested in. Because what, what 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 ends up happening is you don't want to get to a program where you think you'll be re- researching something else, and then you get there, and, and the professor is making you research his own, doing their own research, and you had no say so in it. And it's not something that you wanted to do because that's that's going to be a long, long writing process to write about something that you don't want to write about. Um, if, if 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 identity is important to you figure out what resources they have to, or what organization they may have that allows you to be a part of that identity you know uh that's one of the things that i wish i would have sought out and when i was at tech it was like other uh, uh special interest groups that were, were, were that, that i could that could be a part of um and that and i mean as much i mean that the identity of the advisor is not always going to make a Make or break it. It made a difference for me as far as blackness goes to have a black uh, faculty advisor who like supported what I was doing, who like understood it, like from not only from understanding from a, like a scholarly level, but understanding it from a personal level because they uh, go through some of the same things that we go through, uh, and, and that's and so. If that's important to you, I say look, look out for that. Um, but also, man, just make sure that, that the code that the campus fits with you. Make sure that you understand what you're getting yourself into. Uh, if if, if whether it's something important to you or if uh, cost of living is something important to you, make sure you, you you scope those out. I think all those things, man, will make a make a difference until to into you having a successful time in your program. Um, but yeah, definitely all all of those things, man, should be taken note of.
1: King Brandon Allen. I like this dress. So what programs or initiatives do you think should be in place for the youth to overcome?
2: Um that's I mean so it's it's, it's so many programs out there already right now. Um and to be honest with you, some of this stuff is 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 really gonna cost, but I, I like but if, if, if there's already programs already out there right now like like the one about the girls who code or girls code or something like that uh that gets uh that gets gr- uh young girls into learning about coding and things like that that goes into computer science because they're severely lacking in, in, in gender diversity um, when you think about uh other programs that that seek to teach like i think anything called 100 men or something like that 100 boys to men or something it's like some type of program like that um where they when I mean, they, they take these kids on, on on college tours they give them suits and stuff they t- teach them about wearing suits and, and the proper attire um and just just teaching them about like their like everyday life skills uh, about whether how to present themselves how to carry themselves and not to do it just to to make them to make the the race look good but understand like these things hold weight in, in everyday society not no matter what your race is you want to be able to put your best foot forward and so I, I like I like programs like that. Um, but other ones, man, it's things that get pe- get kid minority kids more exposure to fields that they are severely underrepresented um, whether it is in, in. Whether it is whether whether it's in STEM or like the physics and all that stuff, but getting them exposed to that stuff at an early age, let them see the different career opportunities, the different career paths that they can go through uh, when they take on some of these different disciplines. Uh, allowing them to to feel like they can actually make it through. Uh, I think, man, so many different ones that you that can just try to talk about. Um, also, want to see. I do want to see more of them, uh, more programs that help youth who aren't in affluent neighborhoods get more access to better equipment for when they play sports. Um, that's severely something that we miss, like we forget about, like all these people wanna do these camps and charge thousands of dollars for these, for these kids to come to their camps and get all this gear and all this stuff. But some of these kids, man, they make do with some duct tape, a mop stick and some whatever waste they can find and try to live weights that way. And it's just like, these kids probably need, will probably be a lot better if they had access to more stuff to help them become better athletes, to train better, uh, to and then also and speaking of sports I also like to see programs that focus on both a, a, a kid being a student and an athlete right and so about having, what, did that, what does that balance look like between being a student and an athlete like, right? and why is the student first and then the athlete second like getting them understand like what, what their GPA means why they should have a good GPA why they should understand what they're learning like, and how it translates into sports um, and they even teaching some of these kids about coaching, like, give them the opportunity to be on the other side. Because at some point in time, some of these kids might want to do some coaching. Like, they got to understand, like, what goes into that. So this program, is like, I think those things will help kids see a brighter future for themselves. Um, and so that way, hopefully, they have a, a mindset like like I had. was like, man, if this is possible, I don't want to ruin this. And we, we've got kids right now who who are so used to being spoon-fed things sometimes, and sometimes it backfires. But I think if more kids from areas like where we're from, there'll be... I think they'll be a little bit more appreciative of it. I think you'll see a lot more appreciation in the community, because I think a lot of things will be happening less in the communities. Um, But a lot of these kids, man, they don't have... That's the thing is, they don't have a lot of access to a lot of stuff. They don't have a lot of things that they can do outlets in, And so... They, they, they resort to, you know, what bored kids do. boy kids gonna find something to get into. I mean, I was there. We used to play knock, knock, zoom, zoom on people's doors and stuff like that. That was what we did. That was that was our fun. That's what we had to do because we didn't have nothing else. We didn't have no rec center or anything like that. And so I think programs like that will, will, will boost, boost some of that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would say bring back summer camps. I don't know if people really still go on summer camps and stuff like that, but that, again, you got to have money for that kind of stuff. And hopefully, we can start putting money back into some of these programs uh, for kids to be able to, to utilize when in, in their months old. So, um,
0: those are some great programs, I think. And like I said, there are a lot of programs out there, but I think there's a lot of room. For us to start new initiatives, you know what I'm saying? It has mm-hmm. to take people like us just to start it, just to do it. Uh, when we have time, uh, what lasting words will you leave with the
2: people? I would say this, as, as as best I can, man. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. Don't be afraid to to take breaks. Don't be afraid to just sit back and relax and, and, and enjoy what you've done. Uh, because at the end of the day, man, life life is always going to beat you down, life is always going to uh, give you some curveballs, and if you never ever was able to tell yourself, man, I accomplished a lot, I took a, I, I, I rested when I needed to or anything like that, when those curveballs hit you, you're going to feel like you're in a panic mode if you don't take your break, if you don't do what you need to do, and take and it's, like you said, smell the, smell the roses while you can, Uh I, I myself, I've, I've struggled with mental illness in the past before and like, I feel like I, sometimes I, I ran myself into the ground trying to do all like 10,000 things in a week and ended up like when something happened, don't know how to handle it, don't know how to deal with the curveballs. And so, man, mean, my, my main message is man, as we live, cause we, I know we didn't get to talk about it much, but take care of your mental health, take care of yourself, relax when you need to. Breathe Breathe when you need to go take, go take that drink If you need to go take that drink Go take that walk That you need to go take Go go watch that movie That you want to go watch And then get back to work Because listen here yeah, As somebody who struggled With mental health uh, In the past And who's someone Who deal with anxiety And stress uh, Constantly If I didn't have my breaks If I didn't do What I need to do um, I wouldn't be Where I'm at right now I promise you, I would not be. Uh, There are are some things that I've struggled with. There are some, you know, we all got all the uh, skeletons in our closet. um, And there's things that that I've had to deal with um, that almost made me crack. But when I started taking care of myself, if I'm leaving you with something, as somebody who's going to be a future PhD holder, take care of yourself. Take care of of all of you, not just the parts that people can see to
0: take care of the parts that people can't thank you we really appreciate the conversation we really appreciate you you know taking the time out to talk to us about your experiences you know and just being open with us um, and just leaving a, a few gems with the people man uh, where can people find you if they ever want to book uh, you know speaking engagements
2: just for advice you know what I'm saying uh, uh, people well first of all thank you guys for having me thank you guys for inviting me I mean uh, I really appreciate you guys are doing some fantastic job uh, with this podcast Like it, it has grown tremendously I was like when I saw y'all had Taz's boy I said they got Taz's boy too like geez, like they, they really doing their thing but um, <laughs> yeah if, if people want to reach me uh, they can always email me uh, at Allen. 352, that's A-L-L-E-N-352 at Purdue.edu. I'm also on Twitter, uh, Brandon Allen two underscores after the Allen um, I'm also on Facebook uh, as well. So and then Instagram, b. Allen underscore. And if people want to get in get in contact with me, just hit me up on any of those channels. Uh, I'll be more than happy to to help uh, help you out in any way that I can. Um, if you want, just want some advice, or you want some tips about organizing things, or or what have you, I'm more than welcome to to to, to walk you through that process. Cause we we, we both did it. Um, I mean, I think ultimately, all, all three of us are doing, have done something, or are, or are doing something um, in in that arena. So, um, yeah, whatever they they if they can answer something for you, uh, which I doubt. I mean, I, I think I can answer it. So,
0: yeah. This concludes episode 13 of The Process. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and to like us on SoundCloud and iTunes. Thank you. And they're chanting, trust the process. Trust the process. Trust the process.
1: I think the main thing for me was trying to decide on who am I and like what I want to be and how I want to be remembered. Like, that was my thing. You know, oftentimes I think about, like, my legacy and, like, the mark that I want to leave, not only on the industry, but the effect that I want to leave on people. Being a whole human being, going through my obstacles, going through the things that I'm going through, and not to only broadcast these things, but for it to inspire change.